Hello and welcome to tonight's Bible study. My name is Scott Phillips and I pastor Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church in Raymond, Mississippi. That's our address. We're actually in Hines County on the corner of Spring Ridge Road and Highway 18. We're about a mile from Clinton, two miles from Raymond, about a mile from Jackson, and about three miles from Byron. Just kind of at the crossroads of West Hines County. And I'm very glad to be here with you. This is a Bible study, an overview from Genesis to Revelation. And uh, we are now, I believe this is the 10th week. And today we have the ambitious task to give a summarization of the book of Judges and the book of Ruth. And uh, it's, it's an amazing book. Some uh, interesting characters who the Lord chose to use. And it is, uh, the book of Judges is a book that we find that God um, empowers, anoints uh, individuals to bring victory and deliverance to the children of Israel in the land of promise. Uh, Judges is a story that begins at the death of Joshua. Joshua passes and at that point the children of Israel have failed to drive out the nations who were involved in all kinds of perverse and uh, unspeakable acts that were part of their system of worship. And there was a cycle of perversity that produced children, and then they would um, sacrifice these children to their demon gods in which their worship, their lifestyle was very hedonistic and carnal. And so it was God's intent that, that the children of Israel would drive out these godless um, uh, people who had no heart for the value of human life and that they would protect themselves and the future generations uh, from adopting this same perverse worldview and involve themselves in all kinds of very corrupt and immoral life and worshiping all of these demon gods. But they failed to do that. And the book of Judges shows us a roller coaster ride of Israel uh, uh, falling into this great dark um, bondage of sin. And God judges them. They cry out in repentance. God raises up a judge and they uh, operate as a judicial and military leader who will, by the Spirit of God, bring victory to the children of Israel. And they will begin a religious uh, revival, and there will begin to be a renewal and an understanding of the covenant. And what happens? <laughs> they begin to fall back into these uh, worship of, of ungodly things, involving themselves in ungodly things. And, and, and this pattern just goes over and over and over again. And uh, there are a total of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I believe there's 10 different individuals uh, that are specifically judges, but God uses a number of people throughout this process to bring deliverance to a repentant people. And the book of Judges paints a picture of our desperate need of God's grace. Human nature is prone to failure. Thanks to our great, great, great grandparents of Adam and Eve who were created in perfection, raised and lived in paradise and they chose to use their own reason to justify disobeying the word of God and from there the curse of sin entered into the world 
and as we see the progression from Adam to Cain and Abel uh, to, to Noah to, to Moses uh, uh, from Noah to, to Abraham to Moses to Joshua and here we are in the book of Judges and so the, the book opens up and you see how the Lord begins to deal with the people and judge the people and they cry out for a deliverer and the Lord begins to raise up judges uh, I'm going to just kind of cover a couple of the, the more notable individuals, um, and, and one of them is a character by the name of Gideon. We are introduced to him as he is threshing wheat behind the cover of a well in the shadow of it in fear because the, uh, the enemy, every time the harvest comes up and it's time for the harvest, the enemy comes in and steals their crops, and, and so the children of Israel have to run away and they're they're suffering with hunger and famine so he is hiding himself from the enemy and he's threshing wheat an angel appear and says Gideon thou mighty man of valor Gideon's like afraid he's hiding what are you talking about and the Lord uses this individual Gideon and God brings a great victory to the children of Israel uh, it's a really interesting amazing story that uh, he starts out with this large number of soldiers to fight the enemy and the Lord winnows that down uh, to the water test if you call it and he says have all the men bow down and drink water and everyone that bows down and puts their face in the water uh, they gotta go and the only ones that get to stay and fight are those that that uh, take the water up in their hand and, and uh, lap it like a dog and so there are only uh, 300 men left to fight the enemy of thousands. But the Lord brings an amazing, miraculous victory with torches and, and, and pots and trumpets. And God gives them victory, and Gideon becomes the, uh, the judge. And, and uh, it's all good until it's not. <laughs> children of Israel continue in the cycle. And, and, and one of the saddest things is, is that the children of Israel, they fail to live by the covenant to live in honor of all the things that he gave them in in uh, uh, Leviticus numbers and Deuteronomy they, they failed to worship the Lord God alone they failed to keep themselves pure from uh, all kinds of uh, perversity they, they they forget the God and just like the Lord said if you live by the covenant I'll bless you if you don't I'll curse you so they are living in this cycle of repentance and uh, uh, one of the individuals in the book of Judges, many of you have probably heard of him, a man by the name of Samson. His mother and father actually has an angel appear to them who tells them of the forthcoming son and tells them what to name him and what to feed him. He's given a very restrictive diet, and he, the, his parents have told him, don't ever cut his hair. His hair is a covenant with God. And so they raise him, but as many people do with their children, though the parents may be virtuous and may have a heart towards God, children don't always do what parents want them to do or what God wants them to, to do. And Samson did this in spades. He ends up by going down to a harlot's house, and he's a greatly a powerful, strong man who brings victory to the children of Israel. And so he goes down to the enemies camp <laughs> to, to, the, to the place where the enemy lives and he is uh, hanging out with a harlot and uh, they basically give her money find out the secret of Samson's strength 
And so she says, you know, if you really love me, if you will, uh, you would tell me your secret. And so he doesn't tell her his secret. I believe it's three times. And the, 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 the Philistines come upon him to take him and kill him. And uh, he, he destroys them. In one, one, one instance, uh, when he leaves the city, he picks the gates and the, uh, the wall, the, the, the part the gates are connected to, and he picks them up on his body and carries them off. And he destroys the enemy. And finally, he keeps going back to the same harlot. Her name is Delilah. And finally, he tells the story. I've never had a razor on my head. If you cut my head hair, I will be as weak as any other man. And so he goes to sleep, big dummy. <laughs> she shaves his head. The enemies up are upon him. And the Bible says he goes out to shake himself, not knowing the Spirit of the Lord has departed from him. So he, he obviously has figured out how to kind of activate the anointing of the Holy Ghost. And when he does that, it's gone. And so they take Samson. They bind him in chains. They, they pluck his eyes out. And they take him down to the temple of their God and they set up a grindstone and where they you would use an oxen to grind the corn they use Samson to grind the corn and they just it's a, it's a game they they worship their God because their God gave them this mighty man of Israel and they make sport of him but one day Samson discerns that his hair is growing back he Maybe he feels his hair brush his shoulders, and he, he prays, Lord, anoint me one more time. And if you would anoint me one more time, that I may be avenged of my eyes, you can use me to bring a great victory. So he asked a young man standing by to lead him over to the pillars upon which this multi-story temple uh, where... where uh, he was in and so the the lad leads him over to these pillars and he, he the spirit of the lord comes back upon him and he pushes those pillars and the house falls in and in his death more of the enemy is slain than all of his previous exploits it's a sad story but it is also a story of the fact that the as long as as there's a breath in your body, there is an opportunity for grace and mercy and forgiveness. And uh, I'm thankful for that. And that's what the book of Judges really shows you, is this cycle. The, the people of God go from a place of covenant and they fall into a place of darkness and debauchery and depravity as a people in a generation. And then they cry out, Oh God, help me. Oh God, save us. And the Lord will raise someone up and they will... They will be a judge. They will come in and they will destroy the enemy and they will dispense justice. And and uh, But in the midst of these judges, the Lord is bringing the people to a time where ultimately there will be a model leader uh, who the Lord will use to set in motion some things that, that actually become realized in fullness in Jesus Christ and ultimately are available to us here in this New Testament kingdom that we now live in. So that's the Judges. So, so we move from the book of Judges and we step into the book of Ruth. And Ruth is a very interesting story. It's a story about basically two things. Uh, loyalty 
and responsibility. The Bible starts out talking about a woman by the name of Naomi and her husband who in a time of famine went to Moab. And uh, so they left the, the promised land, went to Moab because there was famine. <laughs> there was famine. There was famine in the promised land. I'm laughing because um, it's in the days of the judges. The Bible says in the days of the judges. So it's one of these times where, where God is cursing the children of Israel. And they're in famine. They're in trouble. And so th this is kind of a glimpse into one of the individuals, a family, that in the suffering from the famine, they go to Moab. And when they get to Moab, the, the husband dies, and then the two sons die, and Naomi and her, his, and her two daughters-in-law, who were Moabite women, are there. And so Naomi says, you know, I've heard there's bread in the promised land. And so he gets, she gets up to rise, and she hugs them and says, you know, you've been great. I hope you have a good life. I'm going home. So the Orpah and Ruth are the two daughters-in-law. And so Orpah, you know, says, love you. Thank you. Great. Hope you do well. And she walks away from Naomi. But Ruth says, you're not leaving me here. I'm going with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you, you, you go to sleep, I'm going to go to sleep. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. And so Naomi and Ruth go back to where they're from. And uh, to make a long story short, I actually listened to Book of Ruth is four chapters. You can read it in maybe maybe ten minutes. I listened to it three or four times this morning. And uh, that th there is an individual. His name is uh, Boaz. Boaz is a near kinsman. He is related to Naomi's husband's family. And so, in the Bible, in the law. There was in the law written a responsibility that if someone died, a man died, and his wife was a widow, there was a responsibility for his brothers or down the line to marry this widow. Yeah, that's that's heavy. And uh, and there was a particular process that if you weren't going to take your responsibility, you had to allow the woman to spit in your face and you had to give someone your shoes and so um, it's in this setting where they come back and uh, Boaz is a near kinsman a man of substance land property and harvest and they go there and long story short uh, Boaz makes a promise to Ruth that, that there is a kinsman that is nearer to him and if he will not take his responsibility Boaz says, I will, I will do my responsibility. And so Boaz goes directly to the man and said, look, you got their land. You need to take your responsibility. The man says, I, I can't take this on. Uh, if I take this on, then, then, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be worse off. And so he, he goes through that process. He gives a shoe. And, and so Boaz marries Ruth and Ruth, who is a Moabite, Ruth, who uh, worshipped other gods. Ruth, who was a an a, a, a alien from the covenants, the Lord brought her back to the children of Israel. There was something in this woman. I believe it was the 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 wisdom and the sovereignty of God that I want some of her in in the future Messiah, and brought this Moabite woman, 
and she, who was showed this loyalty to her mother-in-law, showed a love to her mother-in-law. It must have been something about Naomi. In fact, if you read the, the book of Ruth, all the people respect Naomi. Everybody knows about Naomi. She is a significant individual in the community. And when, in fact, when the baby is born, <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. The people attribute the baby not to Ruth. They attribute the baby to Naomi. <laughs> it, it's it's a powerful it's a powerful story. I, I I was considering I was listening to it see if I felt anything to 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 bring a message from the book of Ruth today. Lots of great stuff. I just didn't feel it quicken in me for today. Uh, but in the book of Ruth, you find Ruth, a loyal soul to a godly woman. She marries Boaz, a, a man of responsibility, a man of integrity, a man that was willing to do his duty. They marry and they have a son, and his name is Obed. And Obed is the father of... Uh, it's Obed, and then there's Jesse, and then there's David. David becomes king of Israel, and it is David in whom the Lord makes a covenant that, that from him, the Christ the king that would rule and reign forever and ever would come from the from, from the root of David. And in that root, there is a woman whose name is Ruth. And it is a beautiful story. Uh, you know, the Lord can find all sorts of people, probably someone like you. You may not have uh, all the things in your life you wish you did. And also, like people that you meet, they don't have everything you think they should. But God... God can use anybody. You know, I was to ask somebody the other day, do you think there's any story in the Bible that in some way you can't connect it to the book of Romans? In fact, specifically, Romans chapter 8. You know, as a young uh, man, I memorized the entire chapter of Romans 8. And so it's in here. It's, it's one of my favorite chapters and probably the reason why I memorized it. It's probably 20 years old. I'm 53. So I've been living with this Romans 8 in my heart. It seems like every subject I come upon, I find that there is a there's a string that makes music in, in Romans 8 and it, it resonates in throughout the whole scripture. You know, the, the Bible is alive. You know, I, I, I read just yesterday someone asked a pastor's wife, how do you know the Bible is true? And uh, you know, I I could rattle off a number of things. We know we know the Bible is true because it, it, we see the truth of what is stated in the world that we live around us. Uh, we know the Bible is true because history confirms it. Archaeologists have been digging up. In the past 100 years, archaeologists have found all kinds of things that the history wouldn't know. It's not, it's not written down in books, but they find the proof of it in the rubble. They find the proof of it in the dust. They find the proof of it in, 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 in the scrawlings and caves and in, in pots and caves. They, they find the, the, the proof of the Word of God is what it says, happened what it said. People in it were who they were. They, they find it in, in, in the tunnels built underneath the cities. They, they find it under, under feet of, of rubble. And, and the Word of God, we know the Bible is true because archaeologists, every, every, I won't say every day, but every year, something new is discovered that, again, causes the archaeologists to say, oh, what the Bible says happened here at this time did, in fact, happen here at this time. Uh, prophecy. Uh, so many things were foretold. This is going to happen. And it happened.
and you find that happening, happening, happening. Even today, we live in a world full of things that were prophesied in the Scripture. The Scripture talks about uh, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, uh, the, the prophets foresaw a day like today. Uh, for instance, the, the Bible foretells a day where people can only buy and sell based upon a number they have in their hand and their head. That's, that's here today. Now, granted, what we have today isn't the mark of the beast, but it's the system in which the beast will come in. You got to have a credit card and you got to have a PIN number, your memory, uh, to get cash out. Uh, you, 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 you see this computer system where everybody can be numbered, everybody can be tracked. Uh, you read in the Bible where there's going to be an event happen that everybody in the world at the one time will see it. 4,000 years ago, how would they know that, that was even possible? But we know how it's possible. In fact, the fact you're seeing this here, I am uh, uh, here in Mississippi. There are people that, that see these videos in Europe and Africa and, and South America. And, 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 and through modern technology, what the scripture prophesies is coming to pass today. So, so uh, 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 history, prophecy, science. There are, are truths, absolute statements stated about the world, stated about our bodies, that science has found out about thousands of years later. For instance, George Washington died because they bled him to death, because they believe, science believed, that if you were really sick, it meant that your blood was bad. So they would cut people and they would bleed out what they thought was bad blood. And what they did is they bled him to death because they believed the problem was in the blood. But if they would have known their Bible, the Bible says the life of the body is in the blood. And science, medical science knows today that blood is the miraculous substance that is what causes our body to live. Blood brings oxygen and water throughout the body, and it takes out all of the infection. It fights infection. It, it closes up cuts. It, it's a miracle. Literally, the life of the body is in the blood. Science didn't know that till this generation, 100 years ago. And, and, and that kind of biblical declaration has been confirmed in science. Uh, uh, the Bible talks about a worldwide flood. Science may deny it, but the earth around us proves it, that there was a worldwide flood. You say, oh, what you talking about, preacher? I'm telling you. On the top of every major mountain chain, they find fossilized, closed clams. How did those clams get up on top of that mountain? Because fossilized closed clams, if a clam dies, they die and they release and you, you, have, you have one side. For a clam to be fossilized full, they were alive, they were covered over, and they were on, and you find those on top of every mountain chain. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. Science. Uh, uh, and I think the, the greatest thing that tells us that the Bible is true is our experience with the Bible. The Bible is alive. Uh, I have it over there. I'm going to get it. The Bible is alive. The Bible says that the Word of God is quick, powerful, quick as an alive, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And no doubt that is speaking to the work of the Spirit through preaching and teaching. But it's also true of the physical book with words. It's alive. Untold people, I would say anybody that actually would try this would find the Bible to be alive. 
they'll be in a, a dark place, discouraging place, stressful place, and they will, out of desperation, they'll open their Bible, and the Lord will speak to them out of the text from the words where the pages open. It's alive. And, and the beautiful thing in the supernatural book that can speak to you from the dimension of the Spirit, and not just any Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, is that it promises goodness, righteousness, uh, light. As opposed to there's, you know, people are intrigued by spiritual things and it's darkness and it's, it's mysterious and it's evil and it promises things that your flesh would want to glorify yourself, that dark spiritual reality. I'm not talking about that. The Bible is a book of light. The Bible is a book of life. And, and one of the ways I know the Bible is true is I have lived out some of its, uh, if you do this, and I've done this, and I've experienced what the Bible promises. The Bible promises, <laughs> in, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is preaching, Peter who had the keys of the kingdom, he said, when he was asked by the Jews that have participated in the crucifixion of Jesus, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter says to them, and I believe speaks to us today, repent. Repentance means to turn away from your sins. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. To be immersed in water in the name of Jesus, and your sins are washed away. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all them that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. I've read that. And you know what I've done? I've repented of my sins. And I, I will tell you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can humbly and in sincerity say, Lord, if you're real, <laughs> I need help. I need direction. Lord God, I pray, forgive me of my sins. I want to live a life that pleases you, Lord God. I don't want to do darkness. I don't want to do evil. I want to turn from my sin. Forgive me. I repent of my sins. And I'm telling you, you'll often feel the need to cry. You may even feel the need to rejoice when you feel the weight, that weight of, of, of just, I can't ever get away from this. The Lord will lift that weight from you. you get baptized. You get immersed. Calling on the name of the Lord. Being buried with Christ in baptism. There is miraculous power that is released in your life when you in faith obey the word of God. When you obey the word of God in faith, there is something that activates when you recognize the Bible is alive. And when you obey and you seek to fulfill what the Bible says you need to do, when you do that in faith, <laughs> you've walked into a world of possibilities. And I've done that. But the scripture says you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. We know that in the Bible, when people believe to have faith in Jesus Christ, uh, they repented of their sins, they were baptized, were willing to be baptized, wanted to be baptized, the Lord filled them with his spirit. And time after time after time after time, even Paul himself said, I speak in tongues more than you all. I would that ye all spoke with tongues. There is an infilling of the spirit of God. And when that happens, you will experience just like they did in Acts 2, Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19, and all throughout the book of the, the scripture. And even to this day, when you... You approach it from a spirit of faith and believe in the Word of God, you'll speak in tongues too. 
Not something you, you're taught in a class, but it is as the Spirit gives you the utterance. Pray out loud, praise the Lord out loud, and give Him praise. It may not happen the first time, but if you will learn how to pray out loud, will you learn how to worship the Lord, driving down the road, listening to the music, go to church, raise your hands, uh, uh, give yourself to worship and praise and believing, living, walking in faith and joy and serving the Lord. I'm telling you, it will happen. You will find yourself at some point. And you will begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit and it will flow like a river coming out from your innermost being. And the Spirit of the Lord will flow through you. Sometimes you don't know how to pray as you ought, but the Spirit will make intercession for you. And and that is, that's the gift. It's the gift. It's the gift of overflowing, <laughs> uh, everlasting life, day to day, <laughs> From faith to faith, from glory to glory, there is something special when you have been filled with the Spirit of God, the gift of the Holy Ghost that is for everyone. I know a lot of people have been misunderstood. I know a lot of people have been told that they, they, they have said it's not for today, it's only for special people. It's for everyone. They all were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. If you don't believe me, a link underneath this video will give you a video and, and give you a Bible study and just basically goes through the scriptures, read the scriptures, believe the scriptures. Don't believe me, nor don't believe anybody else that would tell you it's not for today, it's not for you, it's not for everyone. It's for today, it's for you, it's for everyone. <laughs> so how do we get here? We got here that the Word of God is alive, and I know that it's true because I have experienced that supernatural gift. I, when I pray, if, if I'm praying, I, I pray in the Spirit. I will speak a language I never learned. And the Bible says that your, your, your understanding is unfruitful, but your spirit is praying. Uh, the, the Bible, Paul is teaching in Corinthians. He says, he said, you speak mysteries. You, you, you are edifying yourself. Sometimes you don't know how to praise y'all, but the Spirit maketh intercession for us. The Spirit, the living God prays through us. And, and he is operating our mouth to pray the will of God. Now, why would God do that? He's God. We just know that he does because the Bible says so. And when you, when you have received that and the Lord puts that burden and that spirit of prayer in you and that starts happening, you know it's real. And I can know the rest of the Bible is true because that part of the Bible is true. I have seen the Lord do amazing things. And as you begin to walk in faith, through faith we understand. Some people make the fatal mistake to say, well, when I understand it, I will believe. No, no, that's not the way it works. When you begin to believe, it is in the realm of faith where the Word of God begins to make sense. And it is in the realm of faith where the possibilities of God, the possibilities of the power of God, the Spirit of God, the promises of God, when you walk in covenant, God's going to bless you. Just like what happened in the book of Judges. They did not walk in covenant. So God, they walked under the curse. They lived under the curse. And they, and they suffered, but they repented. <laughs> and they cried out to God. And the Lord sent a deliverer. And anointing came. And the Lord worked. And in the New Testament, God doesn't need to send someone else to, to bring the people of God. Jesus Christ himself has already came, paid the price, and poured out his spirit. The Lord can anoint you with his spirit, and you can be you can be the mighty man, the mighty woman of, woman of God that is used not only to bring deliverance to yourself, 
but deliverance to your house, and you can be a difference maker in the world you live in. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, God bless you all. This is the conclusion of this Bible study. Uh, so we have got all the way to the book of Ruth, and to, next week we will do First and Second Samuel. It's a great, great book. I, I may actually do First, Second Samuel, First and Second King, First, Second Samuel, First, Second Chronicles, because those kind of cover same timeline. And uh, how can you do that in thirty minutes? Well, it's just to whet your appetite. If all you do is watch these videos and you don't crack open your Bible, this is going to be of little value. But if you will be a student of the Word, listen to the Word of God. Bible app. I, I, I recommend listening to the Bible on your phone while you drive, when you're at the stoplight, when you're on break. Uh, uh, develop an appetite to hear, to read, to understand, to study the Word of God. Because in the Word of God, the Lord will speak to you. The Lord will direct you. The Lord will convict you. And the Lord will encourage you. And I don't know about you. I need all that in my life. Yes. So those of you that are in the Jackson area, uh, Tuesday nights at our church, Spring Ridge Pentecostal Church, we do end-time Bible study. starts at 6.30. Our midweek, Wednesday night, we have prayer and worship and uh, a word of encouragement, a lesson. And uh, usually we get there, we start at 7.30, and we're out by 8.15, 8.20. Uh, if you'll come, we promise to, to be sure that it's it's a blessing to you, and we won't stay there all night. And uh, on this coming Sunday, Sunday morning, we have normal service. We start at 9.30 for prayer. We have donuts and coffee. Sunday school is at 10. Worship is at 10.45. And this Sunday, we're going to have a Sunday night service. starts at 6 o'clock. And a man and his wife that have been connected to our ministry and to the church we pastor for, um, I don't know, 18 years. And have served as a, 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 our, our secretary and assistant pastor for a number of years. They're going to be in service with us, Sullivan and Gail Jones. And uh, some of you may remember them. And if you haven't, you should be there Sunday and meet them. They're wonderful people. And I know God's going to use them to be a blessing to us. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, our church website is www.springridgechurch.com. We have a podcast. Uh, we have a YouTube channel. And uh, we pray that we are a blessing to you. If you have enjoyed this, share this video. Share it on your Facebook. Text it to someone you know that's uh, hungry for the Word of God. And uh, help, us, help us be a blessing to more people. So have a great, great week, and God bless you. If you're interested in more of the videos, I will put a link to the playlist. Uh, I've been doing these uh, Bible studies on Monday night. Uh, this is probably the 15th week, and we've been trying to do these every week. I pray this is a blessing to you. We'll be back next week. If, uh, if Jesus doesn't come back and the creeks don't rise and the Lord says the same, have a great week.